Unity of Farmington Hills, a positive path for spiritual living. I like that song. I wanted to get up and dance to it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That's what I wanted to say. Thank you, Faith. At the end of the service today, we are going to have our first birthday Sunday. So if you had any, any of you have a birthday in September, come on down to the uh, Friendship, Fellowship, uh, Social Hall, whatever you want to call it, and we are going to sing happy birthday to you. That's what I wanted to say. Thank you, Faith. All righty. God's going to do what he's going to do. He's going to help me find my name tag. I don't know where I put it. Yeah. Uh, I had, thank you. I had my scarf on, but it got a little warm. All right, it's somewhere. Okay. Um, 
So, I got a cute little joke for you, as I like to start off with my cute little jokes. I thank Joe Olstein. I always <laughs> click on him before I start, um, before I get up in the morning. I mean, when I get up, I click on him. So I heard him say this cute little joke that um, there were three guys who were hiking in the woods, right? And they get to this river. It's a raging river, and they're like, we got to get to the other side of this river. So they're trying to think of some ideas. So they, they go into prayer. So the first guy prays, God, give me the strength to get across this river. And poof, he gets muscular arms and muscular legs, and he swims. It takes him only two hours to swim across the river, right? So the second guy watched that and was like, okay, I'm going to get a little smarter than that. He said, God, give me the tools and the strength to get across this other side. So poof, he had a boat, a rowboat, and he could use his strength to row to the other side. And it only took him 30 minutes, right? So the third person, the third man said, okay, God, I would like you to give me the strength, give me the tools and the intelligence to make it across this river, right? So poof, he became a woman. <laughs> Wait, with a map in his hand. He looked at that map, walked about five minutes across the side of the river and walked across the bridge to the other side. <laughs> I thought that was so cute. Because a lot of men don't want to ask for uh, directions. Can I get an amen, ladies? Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was so cute. Oh, man. So we're ending the month of September, which for us in unity is uh, the month of order. And it's really more than the month of order. It's the month of divine order. It's balancing ourselves, aligning ourselves, and coming into an expression of who we are in God, right? And so this month, we have been talking about the aspects of divine order, which are mind, idea, expression. Everything that comes into creation comes into creation through that sequence of mind, idea, expression. We've talked about how it is. we are already connected with divine mind. It's not like, oh, I have to uh, be connected. No, you are already connected to divine mind. Because the Father and I are one, you're connected. So you are co-creating that second unity principle. You're co-creating, well, no, the third unity principle. The second unity principle says that we are one with the goodness of God. We're one with God, therefore, we inherit good. And Jesus was the one who inherited and expressed divine goodness throughout every aspect of his life. And that's what we're here to do, too, be that expression. And the third unity principle we've been talking about a lot, and that's co-creating your thoughts. I mean, realigning your thoughts, having in your mind the idea that you co-create with God through your thoughts held in mind. That's what it is. So, that's really important because we've been talking about if you want to change your world or change your life, you have to change your what? Mind. Change your mind. And I know I keep saying that, but that's really important because the realm of life that you exist in in your mind is the realm of life that you create from in your life. And so it's important to know what's going on in your mind in order to manifest what you truly desire in your heart. Last week, we talked about walking in your divine expression. And we talked about how when you walk in your divine expression, using your, the power of your words, the power of the ideas that come to you, you have to be really aligned consciously in order to even pray for what you truly want. That if you're in a space where there's fear or doubt there, don't pray it. 
Because that's the space you're coming from, and that's what you create in your life. We talked about how when you pray, you don't pray for something to happen because that implies it is not apparent in your life already. You pray from the space of what it is that you desire, even if it's for somebody else. And we got really aware of the, fa of the fact that we are one with God. We are one with everything. So I can pray for Frank. I can pray for Peter. I can pray for Hope. I can pray for Elliot. I can pray for you guys and not be in the same room with you because I'm one with you in mind and spirit. And then it was a question asked me, what if the other person doesn't believe it to be so? That's not your business. Your business is to focus on your mind. You can't, I can't control faith's mind. I'm not connected in faith's mind like that. But I am connected to faith and the spirit of faith. She's in charge of her own mind. I can still pray for faith and see her divinely perfect and whole, which I do see you divinely perfect and whole. I promise you that. And then I let it go and I let God do what God do. It's not my business how it's going to happen. It's my business to see it so, express that it's so, speak it into her life that it's so. That's why affirmative prayer is so important. And then walk away as if it is so. Today we're going to talk about living in the kingdom of God or living in God's kingdom, however you want to say it. And I want to use this scripture, and I want you to write down these scriptures. If you want to start bringing your Bibles to, to church, that's perfect, too, because it's good to have it with you and read along as well. I'm not going to always have it on the monitor. Sometimes I do. I'm coming from two spaces today, and I'm going to have you write it down. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No, yeah, well, well, we'll do 25. Verse 25, and then I want to do... Verses, yep, Matthew chapter 6, we're going to do verse 25, and then we're going to go into verse 30 through, 31 through 33. That's the first one. And the second scripture I'm going to use is a simple one, and that is uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. So let's read Matthew. Matthew Chapter 6, verse 25 says, and he's talking, actually he's talking about, I'll just give you a little bit of a, um, up to get you up to speed what he's talking about here. He's teaching about the idea that you cannot serve two masters. And that's what we've been talking about, actually. He's talking about God and money. He's talking about if you're focusing on money, then you are, your, your focus is there, so you're sacrificing your, connect, your conscious awareness of God. I won't say your connection because you are always connected to God. He's saying you can't serve two things. It's hard to focus on one thing and focus on another thing at the same time. That's just hard. And if you focus on one thing, you're forsaking the other. So if you're focusing on your material world and what's going on in your world and what's going on in your body and what's going on in your relationship, what's going on in your job, what's going on in somebody else's life, you are not focused on God and you are not expressing God. You're focusing on what's the worry in the world. And that's what you will manifest because thoughts held in mind produce after their kind. Right? So he's saying if you focus on your material world, you're sacrificing your focus with God, your connection with God. You're forsaking it. It's blasphemy in a way. You're going against how you create it. You are out of order. But if you focus on God, all everything else lines up. So verse 25 says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, or not, and I'll keep going, enough money, enough love, enough whatever it is that you want in your life. He says, that is why you don't worry about that. 
And then when you go down a little further, he says, don't worry about these things, saying, what will I eat? What will I drink? What will I wear? And you can add everything else that's going on in your mind that you're wondering, what, where is this going to come from? You can add that in there, too. Don't worry about where it's going to come from. He says, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. No, always, he says that, but your heavenly father always knows your needs already. Just because God's one with you and you're one with God. No one knows more, uh, no one knows more fully and abundantly what you are, what you need, and who you are than the one that created you, that you are one with. Amen? Amen. Okay, so he says, seek the kingdom of God above all else, and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Now, it's important to, to, this is really important to think about. Seek ye, and there's another way of saying it, it's the King James Version, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. You might have heard that version, uh, might be familiar more with that version. But I love the New Living Translation because it puts it a little bit more plain. Now, in, in 2 Philippians verse 2, very simple, and Charles Fillmore who is the co-creator of the unity movement, loved this. He, it, it said in the King James Version, it says, have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. In New Living Translation, it says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So let's connect these two. Let's connect these two. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things should be added unto you. And the other one says, to have this mind in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, or to follow the way God, have the same attitude that Jesus had. Now, he, it says Christ Jesus. Now, there's a connection there. Christ Jesus means that you lead by Christ. His personality, Jesus, was led by Christ. That's why it was Christ Jesus. You've seen it in the Bible, also Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ was when it was manifest through him and he was expressing. But when it's Christ Jesus, he is fully aligned and aware of the consciousness and the awareness. That's why it says to have the same attitude. The same attitude is that Jesus lived in the kingdom of heaven. He lived there. So no matter what happened, he automatically knew he was connected to God. He didn't even have to seek. But he's telling us to seek because we don't automatically go to the fact that we're connected. We have to realign. So to seek your answers, he's telling you, seek who you are, the consciousness of God. And the kingdom of heaven is actually kingdom of heavens, where kingdom represents the consciousness of Christ. And there's different uh, air levels in the consciousness of Christ, which is why kingdom of heavens where does God live? God lives in heaven. That's God's kingdom. That's your kingdom too. That's your kingdom. This physical world, where we are, this body, this is not our kingdom. Your kingdom is within you. You're already connected to everything your heart desires. And the truth is, the fact, desire means of the Father. So the fact that you desire something means that the Father is pushing, wanting to push it out and pushing it out into a desire. And next month, we're going to talk about zeal and how it happens, how God pushes us. But if you're not connected, you're going to wander around feeling lost, seeking advice from other people, seeking to try to figure it out on your own. You don't have to figure anything out on your own. You can live in the kingdom of God. 
Living in the kingdom of God means I already know that I'm one. I already knew Eileen was all right because I was praying and connecting to her. I know she has an experience of missing her mother. I know that. I know that. We all do. I miss my mother too. And it's been since 2005 that she passed away. But I knew it and I connected and prayed with her. And even when I sent her a text, I'd already prayed and I was just speaking it out so she could hear it. When Jesus raised Lazarus, Jesus says, I'm saying these words so they can hear me. I already know what's going to happen. I already know it, but they got to hear it because when it comes out of their mouth, it activates the Christ in them. Christ speaks to Christ to manifest Christ. Lazarus, come forth. Speak to your situation from the presence of God. I am the presence of God. Together, I am the presence of God. You got to know that you know that you know that you know that you know that. Jesus kept going deeper down, kept going deeper down, kept going deeper down. There's a scripture that said that he found it not robbery to leave God to come down in the physical realm. Why? Because he knew he was still connected to God no matter where he went because God is everywhere present. There is no robbery when you leave one space and go to another because God is still there. God is still there. He just came in a physical form to express it in his world for us. Does that make sense? I was reading this uh, story, and like, God, show me what you mean. Because Jesus says, come with the heart of a child. Show me what you mean. How do you live in this world, living in the kingdom of God? How? And I read this story, and Wayne Dyer has shared it before, and I'm going to read it to you. I was going to tell it, but I think I would rather read it. It's called, Where is God's Presence of Perfection? In Brooklyn, New York, Choose is a school that caters to learning disabled children. Some children remain in Choose for their entire school career, while others may be mainstreamed into conventional schools. At a Choose fundraising dinner, a father of a Choose child developed, uh, uh, delivered a speech that would never be forgotten by all who attended. After extolling them and telling them about how wonderful they are, he cried out, where is the perfection in my son, Shia? Now his son was, son was one of the disabled children there. Everything God does is, is done with perfection, but my child cannot understand things as other children do. My child cannot remember things and figures as other children do. Where is the perfection? Where's God's perfection? He said, and then the audience was shocked about this. They were sitting there shocked by the question and pained by his, the father's anguish. And they were stilled by that piercing query, thinking about it. I believe, the father answered, that when God brings a child like this into the world, the perfection he seeks is in the way people react to this child. He said, he, he went to tell a story. One afternoon, Shia and his father walked past a park where some boys Shia knew were playing bas uh, baseball. Shia asked, do you think they will let me play? Shia's father knew that his son was not at all athletic and that most boys would not want him on the team. But Shia's father understood that if his son was chosen to play, he would be, it would give him a comfortable, sen comfortable sense of belonging. That's one of Maslow's high, law's hierarchy of, of needs, that we have a sense of belonging. 
So his father approached the boys on the field and asked if Shia could play. And one of the boys on the field, the boy looked around for guidance from his teammates. Getting none, he took matters into his own, own hands and said, we are losing by six runs and the game is in the eighth inning. He said, I guess he can be on our team and we'll, we'll just try, uh, try to put him in on bat in the ninth inning, right? Shia's father was ecstatic, and Shia was smiling so broad. Can you imagine a disabled child feeling that they're embraced with all, in his mind, the normal kids? How good that felt? So they gave him a glove and let him go out to center field. In the bottom of the eighth inning, Shia's team scored a few runs, but was still behind by three. In the bottom of the ninth inning, Shia's team scored another, and now with two outs and the bases loaded, it was a potential to win by one base. Shia was scheduled to come up to bat. So the father's wondering, would the team actually let Shia at bat? Would they give him a chance to bat? Surprisingly, Shia was given the bat. Everyone knew that it was, uh, it was impossible because Shia didn't even know how to hold the bat. Can you imagine him sitting there trying to hold the bat, maybe having it at the top? And they're like, no, baby, you got to do it on the bottom. So he puts it on the bottom. So they, because, and they knew he couldn't bat properly, let alone hit the ball. However, as Shia stepped up to the plate, the pitcher moved up closer and lobbed the ball softly so that he could hit it. He swung and he missed. The first, uh, so the per first pitch, he, uh, it says he swung clumsily and he missed. One of Shia's teammates came up to, the, to Shia and together they held the bat and faced the pitcher waiting for the next pitch. The pitcher took another few steps closer, forward, to toss the ball softly to Shia. As the pitch came in, Shia and his teammates swung at the, at the uh, ball, and together they hit it slowly into, uh, in the ground in front of the pitcher. The pitcher picks it up, soft, uh, picks up the soft grounder, and could have easily thrown, out, thrown him out at first base. Instead, the pitcher took the ball and threw it way above in a high arc to right field, far beyond where the first baseman was. Everyone was yelling, Shia, run the first, run the first. Never in his life has Shia run to first. He scampered down the baseline, wide-eyed and startled. By that time, he reached the base. And by the time he reached there, the, the left fielder had the ball. He knew what the pitcher was doing. So he threw the ball way over the left field, to the, over the, to the third baseman. And everybody's saying, Shia, run the second, run the second. But he was already running. When he gets to second base, the second baseman turns him and says, go to third base. Now, his, his teammates had already circled the, and run in because the bases were loaded. So he hits second, third base, and while he's running into home, everybody on the team is yelling, go home, go home, go home, Shia. Hadn't thought about throwing the ball. He hits home plate, and all 18 players lift him up as the hero of the day. When you walk as a child in the kingdom of God, you celebrate and enjoy the moment. You let go of competition. 
You look at what is best and you do what celebrates everyone. You even help those. I've seen so many teenagers, I mean, yeah, teenagers too, but kindergartners helping each other take off their coats, helping each other do things. When I come in as a substitute teacher and I can't, uh, okay, where does this go? The whole class tells me where it goes. There's no inhibitions there. They know who they are. You remember that time? The world was everything. You imagined everything. Everything was yours. When we were younger, my dad asked us, me and my sisters, to uh, pick out a bedroom set. And we picked out this gorgeous bedroom set. It was (laughs) $13,000. We even looked at the pillowcases and the sheets and the throw rugs. We even started decorating our room. That is what you do when you are connected consciously. Well, I'll rephrase that. When you are in tune with your connection with the kingdom of heaven, that's how you live in the kingdom of God. You live in the kingdom of God knowing that everything that is in this world is yours already. You celebrate that as if it is yours already. You be the presence of it. So you open your eyes and ears to see it from God and to hear it from God and be connected to it. And then when you open your eyes to hear that, you open your mind to receive and understand the divine ideas that drop down into you because you're connected in your consciousness. You know that connection, and so you become aware of that connection. And then you get the divine ideas, and you get the understanding of who you are as a child of God. Who you are as a child of God. And then once you realize who you are as a child of God, you begin to receive the ideas and the understanding that everything that is of God is of you. And then you walk in it in a divine divine expression. You're willing to receive it, and you're willing to be it. Those kids let go of the competition and gave Shia his first game of baseball. Not only did they criticize him, did they not, I mean, did they celebrate him for being in the arena? They helped him in the arena. That's what you do when you're connected. You release all those where, times where you got to win, you got to be right, you got, do you want to be right? Or do you want to be at peace? And do you want to be one? Because even when you're right at the risk of someone else, you've sacrificed a part of yourself because you're one with that person. So you let it go, you put down the competition. Competition means, is a a form in, in some ways of separation and limitation. And you express your oneness with everybody, seeing everybody as a winner. And then you co-create that in your life with them, in your life with them. So when you step every morning before you step out of bed, there's this uh, saying that, Um, I'm going to rephrase it, but it says, be the kind of woman, and I'll say be the kind of woman and man, that when you wake up and your feet hit the floor, the devil says, oh, crap. (laughs) What that means is be the kind of expression of God that negates any doubt, any worry, any concern. 
and hits the floor running because you know you're already a winner. That's what living in the kingdom of God is. That's what living in the kingdom of God is, that you are a winner, they are a winner, we are a winner, this world is a winner. Amen? Amen. I am a child of God. I am a winner. I am one with God. I am one with all that is God. My needs are met right now. I see it. I receive it. I be it. Thank you, God. I walk in it. Amen. That's it. Everybody has been there And everybody fails